Hello, everybody, and welcome to uh, Rocky Mountain Comic Book Noise, episode 11. There's been, it's almost been a year, I think, since this thing's come out. <laughs> but uh, I do have two other podcasts, and when I have time to focus on some things that I'm passionate about, I'll be coming out with this this uh, podcast, and also hopefully have my wife on to discuss all things geek and other stuff. And um, for for the first topic I want to talk about today is uh, from first. It's a first issue special number four from uh, DC Comics, and it ran in 1975. So it's a pretty old book. And uh, first first issue special was a um, a comic that was like a spotlight or uh, they'd feature characters that are brand new to comics and uh, could have potential to uh, show up in their own titles and uh, this didn't last very long and it wasn't that much successful it was pretty much known for uh, Warlord, it launched Warlord and that, that comic lasted about 130 three issues, while the bottom part of it was not all Mike Grell, but Mike Grell did create the character and wrote most of those issues. Um, it was a very good title, and that's what really got me into First Issue Special, and I ended up picking up all of the other issues. Um, the next one I'll probably feature is The Green Team. The The first comic, that or, or First Issue Special number one, um, came out in... 1975, and it was by Jack Kirby, and he did the art and wrote it, and it was the first appearance of Atlas, and he's now appearing in um, Superman, and he seems like he might have a major role, um, if Jimmy Robinson has anything to say about it, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. Issue 2 was the green team, and I have that issue, I just gotta dig it up, and it was the only one that I was missing, and I picked it up. That one's by Joe Simon, and the artist is Jerry Grandolini. I had never heard of him. But in uh, issue number three, it wasn't his first appearance, but it featured Metamorpho by Bob Henley and Ramona Frandon. And then we had in issue four, we had Lady Cop. And Lady Cop is a very interesting character because this is her only appearance outside of All New Adam, and it, she appeared in All New Adam, I think, in two issues, and they never finished her story, to my knowledge, unless they're in those All New Adams, which I, I'm very curious to find out, but um, the one I'm focusing on is by Robert Canninger, who's known for his war comics, and uh, he wrote a lot of Sergeant Rock, Unknown Soldier, and he even did some Warlord, and uh, artist is John Rosenberger. And this one really surprised me. This book really stood out on the stack of books that I read this this last week or past week. And then um, we have issue number five of first issue specials, the first appearance of Manhunter 2. There's a legacy of Manhunters, and the current one's a female. And uh, I love the new Manhunter, and I have all the appearances of the old Manhunter, except for the back backup features that showed up, I believe, in Detective. I'm still trying to get all of those. But uh, this Manhunter was created by Jack Kirby, and Jack Kirby did the art. So if you're a Jack Kirby fan, First Issue Special had at least three issues of Jack Kirby. Uh, issue number six was the first appearance of the Dingbats. Um, 
That was by Jack Kirby and the artist Jack Kirby. Uh, I have this book, but I never read it. And uh, it's probably in a long box somewhere, and hopefully I'll get to it someday. Uh, the next uh, issue is issue 7, and it's a creeper. And I think this was my first first issue special because I went on a creeper uh, buying spree at one point in my my life, and I had to have everything creeper because he fascinated me. Jack Ryder and the insanity of the suit that he became it was is just and and his biggest power is his unpredictability and insanity. So he's a very interesting character. Uh, and then the le- the the biggest series or biggest issue of first issue special was of course the warlord which uh, had the first appearance of demos who's the warlord's major villain um the first appearance of skataris which is the center of the earth and uh the first appearance of warlord and it's just fantastic and i think it's the first appearance of tara who warlord ends up having a child with and the child ends up being raised by demos to kill him so uh, there's some interesting. I, I love Warlord, and I'm I've read a lot of it, and I'm currently chronicling all of the Warlord issues on my DC Noise uh, blog on uh, the forums, on thecomicforums.com under DC Noise, and I try to get to one issue a week, but I'm gonna try to go through 133 issues of those. I think I'm like on issue 18 or 19. The next issue is issue number nine. It's got do, do, it's Doctor Fate, and it's by Martin Pasco and Walt Simonson. So if you're a Walt Simonson fan or a Martin Pasco fan, you might want to check this out. Um, the next issue is uh, issue number ten, and it's the first issue special and the first appearance of the Outsiders. Now this Outsiders was not the Outsiders that we're all familiar with, the superhero Outsiders. These are more uh, character-driven, and uh, I don't know too much about them, to tell you the truth. I have the issue, but I don't remember it. But uh, that one's by Joe Simon and uh, Jerry Graninetti again. So it's the same creative team that brought you the green team. And then here we get another interesting character that's appearing in Superman and Action Comics right now. And it's in uh, issue 11, and it's the first appearance of Codename Assassin. So if you want to follow how this character was created, you should pick up issue number 11. It's by uh, Jerry Conway and Steve Skeets. And it's actually, the artist is listed as a studio, which is quite interesting. Redondo Studio. Uh, Issue 12, we got the first appearance of Starman 2. Now this character is going to be in the new Justice League series that James Robinson is writing. And he he played a huge part in the uh, Starman series um, that was James Robinson's series. So I look forward to that, and uh, I recommend it to any people that are uh, fans of Starman. And finally, issue 13 is a New Gods issue without Jack Kirby. But it's got Denny O'Neill and Jerry Conway, two very competent writers uh, that, that I love in this time period. I love Jerry Conway's stuff, almost just guaranteed to be good, and Denny O'Neill's stuff. And uh, Mike Volsberg is the artist for this issue. So it ran 13 issues. It didn't have a very successful run, but what what I have read so far 
it has turned to be uh, one of my favorite titles just to pop open and read because they're done in ones. Now, fortunately, Lady Cop was truly a done in one, and I really wish the story could have continued because there was lots of threads left hanging. So on to uh, Lady Cop, written by Robert Kaniger and John Rosenberger and Vince Coletta are the artists. Now this issue is a 25 cent issue, and it has a cover of her as a cop in a miniskirt uh, being attacked by this huge dude with a chain, and she's ready to get clocked it looks like. And the story opens up. Uh, she's hiding underneath her bed. And there are two of her roommates are yelling, Please don't kill me! Don't kill me! And there's this killer with these white boots with this yellow rim. And they have a skull on them. And he kills these uh, two women. And he leaves these Ace of Spades cards uh, on the floor. Now, this is a pretty violent book for a book in the... Uh, 70s and approved by the comics code so you have two murderers you don't really see them they're kind of off panel and they're through the view of lady cop which I'll get to her name in a second but she's underneath the bed cowering and this guy takes off and he's murdered two girls so that's the main part of the story and then the officer arrives and uh, we learn lady cop's name is Miss Warner and uh, she's giving the details to another female cop, and she describes it so well that this cop says, Man, you have a, an eye for detail. We really wish you could join the police force. So her whole lot in life now is to find this guy with these boots. So it's a great opening sequence. You know, you, you think you're going to have resolution because she wants to find this killer. And... Um, by the way, her her full name is Liza Warner. So Liza decides, based on her nightmares and his, this fixation with these killer's boots, that she wants to find this guy. So what does she do? She joins the police academy. And she, she learns the bouts. She learns judo. She learns to shoot well. She passes all her tests with flying colors. Um... It's graduation day, so she's graduating at the top of her class. And then you see this guy in a red shirt, and he's running. And he's saying, you flunked me, you bastards! And he's got a hand grenade with him. <laughs> so he obviously didn't graduate from the police academy, but he's pretty damn pissed off about it. And uh, Lady Cop jumps out of her seat during the graduation ceremony, takes the bomb from him, throws it in one of those metal trash cans and uh, saves the police force. And she gets congratulated, of course. And we have an ad here for DC Comics, The Amazing World of DC Comics. I have never seen an issue of this, but it was like a strip that that was like a, a newspaper that told you news about what was going on in the DC Universe. And I would really like to see an issue. If anybody wants to send me an issue, I'd appreciate it. <laughs> and then there's an ad for subscribing to DC Comics. And at this point in 1975, you could subscribe to Action, which I'm, I think I have every Action comic from 1973 on. 
Uh, Superman family have none of those issues, but I'm looking to fill those because I'm on a I, I I'm on a Superman love fest. I love Superman. Uh, we got Superman. I'm still working on on those issues uh, from the 70s. Uh, World's finest uh, Shazam. I almost have a complete run of that. Batman. I almost have a complete run going back to the 70s of Batman. There's still some holes. The Brave and the Bold, I have a lot of issues, but not a full run of that. You got Detective you could subscribe to. Uh, Justice League, I almost have a full run of that as well. House of Mysteries, House of Secrets. I do have the first appearance of the Swamp Thing, so that was a damn good comic. He was introduced really, really well, and they've kind of morphed his origin over over the time, but it was a really good comic. Uh, the Unexpected, The Witching Hour. So you have a ton of uh, horror-type-based comics at this time period, as well as uh, romance comics. you got Young Love and Young Romance, Our Army at War, and Tarzan, which is an adventure comic. I don't have any Tarzans, but I sure would be interested in picking some of those up. From what I hear from like uh, 11 O'Clock Comics and... Other podcasts, those Tarzan books are really good. Um, so, you enter into another sub-story of Lady Cop. So she congratulate, graduates, and then Liza is encountering a rape. And there's this teenage girl. I think she's in her late teens. It doesn't really say. But uh, this girl looks like she's going to get beaten up or raped. And... Uh, the lady cop stops it, but then the rapist's buddy comes behind her, and they kind of like he kind of like pulls her arms back, and then they looks like they're gonna attack her. Meanwhile, that teenage girl runs away crying, and she's like shouting, "Hey, I'm a police officer. You can't do this!" And uh, they proceed. He, he one, the one rapist dude, he he presses his lips against her like he's gonna make out with her. And man, she gets her knee and she just gives it to him right in the crotch. And then gives a headbutt or a back headbutt to the... Uh, she she puts her head back and hits the other guy in the head because he had her arms bound. Knocks him out. Puts her cap back on. It looks like she doesn't even have a pistol. Because she doesn't point it at him. But she subdued him until her fellow... A police force could come and throw him in the cab and take him to the to the police station. And then on the way in, they're threatening her. He's like, "You can't book me for kissing you, cop," and all that kind of stuff. And so she moves on. She does her good deed of the day. She sees a girl that can't afford ice cream, and she's kind of in the background. And there's a bunch of kids in front of the foreground that are getting ice cream, and she can't afford it, so she buys her a chocolate ice cream cone. And then she runs, this must be in a Hispanic neighborhood, because there's a lot of people speaking Spanish. So it's almost like a Grant Morrison book, where uh, Final Crisis, where you have a superhero speaking Spanish, and there's no uh, little caption that tells you what they're saying. So, But you get the gist of it here, whereas in Final Crisis, you never knew what the guy was saying. But anyway, you see this one guy with a chain... And uh, he sees Lady Cop like he's going to attack her. Meanwhile, this this part is hilarious. 
she walks up she's walking she's trying to track this girl down to see if she's all right right this teenage girl and she's on the phone with somebody and uh she's talking to her boyfriend or something and she's saying you just found out you have vd so this is addressing rape this addresses serial killer this addresses venereal diseases and uh she's on the phone and she's saying my father will kill me if you find out i have vd and she takes off hysterically so lady cap can't get to her at the time to try to help her meanwhile she sees somebody uh robbing a grocer and he has a knife and she she pretty much stops that that bandit and says drop your knife and um then we have a pause for the cause we have dog tags you could buy and uh these dog tags you could have i guess personalized or order order um these they have one that says i'm his because he deserves the best so you, if you were a girl you could wear that dog tag and then this one is pretty interesting it says love spreads germs quick make me sick i thought that was pretty funny <laughs> oh, i love these old comics and then uh, he proceeds to try to stab her with the knife. She takes the knife out of him and beats the shit out of him. She's got all these judo moves, knocks him unconscious. And I guess the grocer was stabbed by the knife, so she has to wait for the ambulance to show up, so she has to give him CPR to try to resuscitate him. And then um, the, the police and the ambulance arrive, and she's done her job. So she's already, like... Broken up a rape. Was trying to find the girl who has VD. And she stopped the grocer from being robbed. Now, um, you find out she has a boyfriend. Because he pulls over his car and he's like, and he starts making out with her in front of the police station. <laughs> and uh, that was interesting in itself. And he's he seems to be uh, jealous of her occupation because of what she's doing and he wants to convince her to quit but that ain't gonna work and then one of my favorite ads of all time it's got like first DC gave you the world's greatest superheroes and it shows the flash black canary shazam superman batman wonder woman green lantern and dead man and then it says then DC introduced top quality mystery tales and you know it's got like your witching hour tales of suspense phantom stranger spectre uh, Swamp Thing, you know, various characters that have are appearing in there. And then it says, Now DC presents fantasy at its best in an all-new adventure line. And uh, I am I think I have most of these issues, if not all of them, but one of them. You got Justice Incorporated, Claw, Tor, Stalker, Warlord. Warlord but was by far the most successful out of all of these Claw seems to show up every now and then in the DC Universe. He was in Wonder Woman recently, and uh, he had his own Wildstorm title. Sometimes appeared with Red Sonja, had a had a miniseries on that. Yeah, Beowulf, I, can't, I think he might have appeared in the Wonder Woman recently too, and also Stalker. And then you have Kong. So you had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven adventure titles. That's pretty impressive. And then on the opposite page, it's got like those big comics, those collector size editions. These were huge books. It's got famous first edition special featuring Flash Comics number one. That would have been sweet to have. 
And then it has a Batman special all-villain issue, and it's got a really cool cover that Batman's kind of looking at, like, spotlights, and there's a spotlight on Joker, Catwoman, Penguin, and Two-Face. And back then, those huge books were only a buck. That's just fantastic. Oh, the... Now we're back to our comic. There's a lot to talk about in this comic. It's so interesting in itself. Um, and it talks about the period of, of time that women portrayed in comics. Well, anyway, the scene cuts to the beach with her and her boyfriend, and they're they're discussing. Uh, he actually makes an offensive remark. They're, they're on the beach. He's on her bikini. He's in his swim trunks. And uh, he's kind of laying like with his head between her legs. And he's having issues with their job, and he's like saying, you should resign. And she's saying, well, you'd rather have me pounding on a typewriter all day? And then he tells her, I can't marry a working man. He calls her a working man, and she says, woman. And then he says, I can't live with someone on duty 24 hours a day. And even though they're arguing here, she's thinking to herself, I can't stop thinking of finding the killer of my roommates 24 hours a day, even now. But while she's thinking that, they're making out. So she didn't really care that her boyfriend just told her that she was a man or acting like a man. I, in today's world, he would have got a bitch slap. Ram, pow! Right in the kisser. But he didn't. And then the scene cuts to like the docks. Um, they're like on some shipping docks. And it's the next day. And she actually finds that girl. And she says, hey... I heard you on the phone the other day, and you got VD. You better take take care of this. She says, VD is deceptive. Girls may not have symptoms, but it's a secret destroyer poisoning you like an underground river. It can cause blindness, insanity, and death. So you have your uh, political preaching that's going on. If not arrested in time. So you have to arrest VD to stop it. <laughs> and then she's like, what should I do? And Lady Cop tells her, Go to your family doctor immediately or the Board of Health VD stations. I guess back in the day, they had these VD stations where if you had VD, you could just walk in the door and say, Give me some prescriptions. I got VD. He says, They'll give you tests to see if you have it. They can cure you with the antibiotics. Um, then she says, The way to stop a forest fire is by stepping on the match, crushing it before the spark spreads. Now... And then she goes off, you should tell your parents. And she says, I can't. My father's a dock worker. He never looked at another woman after my mother died 10 years ago. He'd kill me if I told him. But Lady Cop convinces her. He convinces her to tell Papa that on the dock with her there that uh, she's got VD. So she's telling her father, hey, I got VD. And he goes off on this... uh, tirade um he says your mother was a saint my own daughter my own flesh and blood you you and then lady cop gets between him and the daughter and the guy open he he clutches his fist like he's gonna punch his daughter right and lady cop gets in the way and he smacks her face front in the the chops pow so he hit a cop right there but didn't back her down she didn't care. He says, you would strike your own daughter. And then they end up hugging. And Lady Cop did her job. But she struck a cop. She didn't think to arrest him or anything. She just took it off and it took it with stride. And uh, 
the daughter and father go off holding each other, and I guess the father realizes he has to help. Um, and he says, Gracias. Uh, and then, unexpectedly later, another guy with the chain, who's the guy with the chain on the cover, he attacks her on the docks. And he's pissed off because she but she busted the pals, the rapist pals. And uh, he gets the chain around her wrist, and they and then she flings him into the water. <laughs> this dude, this big bully, can't swim. So she has to save his ass, and then they arrest his ass. And then the final panel, you're like, I really want to find out what's going on if she finds a killer. But uh, it says, just one caption, next day, wonder if I'll ever find the killer in the boots. And that's the end of Lady Cop, never to be seen again in DC Comics. So if you're Jeff Johns out there and you happen to listen to Rocky Mountain Comic Book Noise, I think you should finish this story somehow in your book, even if it's a backup feature. <laughs> or James Robinson. You're obviously a fan of uh, First Issue Special <laughs> by bringing back Atlas and uh, Codename Assassin. So let's hope that this this comic gets finished someday because it really is interesting and it's really a sophisticated story. And uh, Robert uh, Kaninger is one of my favorite writers in this time period. He He's just solid. You get a solid comic every time you pick it up. So highly recommended. I give it an A. It was so worthwhile to talk to talk about. And uh, hopefully I'll get to Atlas or the Green Team in a future episode of uh, Rocky Mountain Comic Book Noise. And now I'm going to talk a little bit about the Inhumans. I just finished the Inhumans Secret Invasion uh, series. I was kind of like reading these at the time, but for some reason I never finished number four. But the Skulls infiltrated the Inhumans, and the main Skrull uh, was po- posing as Black Bolt. So uh, they they uncover the plot, and the Inhumans are tough. I mean, they're all they all gone through this mist, and they're related to the Kree. Uh, the Kree, which you know, fight the Skrulls, and there's also the Shar, and there's there's a whole bunch of space races in space, and um, one of the things they really focus on in the, the series is that they were created by the Kree, or maybe it was the the next issue I read, and uh, they were me- they were meant to be weapons. The Inhumans were meant to be weapons, and uh, were, be weapons for the Kree. But they kind of wanted to be a peaceful people, so they, for many years, the Inhumans are caught running from humanity almost all the time. And they're such an interesting group of characters. I mean, uh, Black Bolt can't even say a word, so Medusa has to do all the communication. I don't even know how they communicate. It's all through gesture and sign. But she somehow knows everything he says. But he can never say to his wife, I love you, or anything, because he'd kill her and everybody around her. He's so powerful. And then you got uh, Triton, who's like a fish-like dude. You got uh, Gorgon, who's got like hoofs for feet, and he's really strong and powerful, and he can like create earthquakes by pounding on it. Karnak, uh, who's 
like a awesome martial artist, but he can uh, assess any weakness in almost anything. So, like, if he sees a shield, he'd know how to penetrate it. If he was fighting Superman, he would be able to find out what a weak point in his knee was, or whatever. He's just got that ability. You have Lockjaw, who could uh, teleport you to anywhere, anytime. He's like a huge dog. I have most of these uh, bow and mini busts because I don't buy all bow and mini busts, but I love the Inhuman so much um, since the Kirby days, and I've always been fascinated by them. And then Paul Jenkins re- re- revitalized them in a Marvel Knights title, and ever since I just can't get enough Inhumans. And uh, you have Crystal who was a member of the Fantastic Four at one time. And she has elemental powers, and she was married to um, Quicksilver. So that that kind of ended bad, because Quicksilver kind of like forced himself into the mist, and he broke all kinds of rules and took their daughter, and all kinds of hell broke loose. But uh, that's a story for another time. But now she's kind of like promised to marry Roman, uh, Ronan, the Accuser, which is a Cree dude, I guess to keep peace or whatever. But that that's also happening in the Secret Invasion. But I can't say enough about the Secret Invasion uh, series uh, for Inhumans. It was just amazing. The artwork on the cover was Sajic, who does uh, covers for uh, Top Cow, mostly in Witchblade, and his art is is just phenomenal. The way he draws women and the way he draws the Inhumans is amazing. That's Stefan Sajic. Uh, the series writer was Joe Pukowski. I think he's a TV writer. I'm not too sure, but he did a fantastic job. If um, if this is his first work, uh, i have to look that up. Tom Rainey did the art. The art inside the book is phenomenal. The inking, Scott Hanna, that's phenomenal inking. And the colors are amazing. So it's a very great series. And uh, the Inhumans end up going after to find uh, Black Bolt. And they find him. They kill tons of tons of scrolls on the way. Um, and it's really quite fascinating because they're, they, they're spend, they're, the scrolls are creating a weapon with Black Bolt's vo- voice so they could destroy stuff and kill him in the process. And... Uh, Black Bolt ends up getting free, and the scroll that's been keeping him captive all this time, he whispers in his ear, and it's not even a whisper, they don't even say what he says, but it's like a dot, 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 dot. And he just said something like that, and his whole body disintegrated. Uh, that was freaking amazing. So they're all together, and of course, one of the first thing, one of the interesting things about Black Bolt and Medusa is, every time you read them, you feel this love that they have for each other that's like undescribable. It's it's freaking amazing, and uh, there was even one of those romance issues that Marvel did, I Heart Marvel or something, that had a, a Medusa story about Black Bolt, and it was phenomenal. I can't remember who wrote it, but it was great, and. Uh, well, the Inhumans go back to the the moon, which they were on Earth before. They had to go to the moon. They're constantly running away from humanity or people are, who are always attacking them. And um, 
they decide they're going to take a more aggressive approach to doing things instead of being real passive like they have been in the past. And uh, Maximus is his brother, and he seems to be working with them as well. And I forgot to mention that he's part of the title as well. And uh, they have Crystal's daughter and Black Bolt's son in the background. But uh, Maximus is usually a bad guy. He's like Mad Maximus, they refer to him as. And uh, he's usually causing problems with his brother and the royal family all the time. But right now he's part of the royal family and he's helping. And uh, this story was continued in War of Kings. And the story just got better. And I am so far behind in my reading that it prompted me to start getting caught up in comic reading. But The Secret Invasion, War of Kings, um, was written by Abnett and Lanning. And they really have a knack for writing comics. And they're so good at the space, uh, Marvel space right now. They're also writing The Authority for DC. They're all over the place. But this team, they really know how to write. So um, the story opens up as you see a bunch of Kree ships and they're fleeing Earth. They're trying to get away from everything because they've been defeated, right? Well, you think they've been defeated. There's a flashback, but something's chasing them. You actually see something chasing them. At this point in time, you do not know who is chasing them. And uh, I forgot to mention the artist on this book is Paul Peltier and Bong Donzo. And um, the art on a couple of these pages looks like Alan Davis art. I don't know if I've noticed that before, but it really does look like Alan Davis. It might be Alan Davis and and they just changed his name because I can't tell the difference on a few of these pages. Some of it doesn't look like it, but a lot of it does. And a lot of this is told through Crystal's viewpoint. And she's like conflicted with why they're taking such an aggressive approach. Because they've always been a peaceful people. They always love each other. They always protect each other. Well, that's true to a point. There, there are people that live with the Inhumans that are treated like they're not royalty. And they live on, they, they're treated like crap. So uh, they're prejudiced they're uh, treated like an inferior race even though they're the same people and they're not allowed to go to the mist and there that that's a story for another time as well but if if you read in humans a lot of the minis you'll get that impression so the story is like told through crystal's viewpoint with a lot of uh foreground talk discussion amongst the inhumans and they they actually enter this room and this room has been sealed for quite quite some time and there's a reason why it's been sealed um, it's called the chamber of devices now this chamber of devices has a lot of weapons the inhumans can enable and a lot of um, of weapons were, were developed by Maximus and one of the weapons is such a badass weapon but it was made for Black Bolt but anyway what what they also do at the same time is they take the whole city that is on the moon and they it launches and detaches itself from the moon and it goes into space so obviously black bolt wants revenge and wants to go after the scrolls 
So they take off from the moon. And uh, meanwhile, Maximus is preparing this weapon. And Crystal has some in interesting conversation with Lockjaw. Lockjaw doesn't talk, but of all the Inhumans, Crystal and Lockjaw appear in more comics than... Uh, Lockjaw appears because he's usually teleporting people around. He appeared in Fantastic Four a lot. And Crystal appeared because she's been she's in, been an Avenger, and she's been part of the Fantastic Four, so she's been around. Plus, she's married to Crick Silver, so you would see her around every now and then. Great character, great statue, by the way. The only statue I'm lacking is Black Bolt, and it's one of the expensive statues that I'll probably never get. But um, Maximus. So so now their their city's turned into this huge spaceship, and they're in the throne room. Maximus attaches this device to Black Bolt, and Black Bolt shouts this word now. And what this does is it empowers the ship to like go at light speed faster than you could ever go. Like, whoom! It's like if you're in the Millennium Falcon and you hit the the hyperdrive and you were in light speed all of a sudden. Well, they catch up to those fleeing scrolls, and they just it that ship just shatters him using Black Bolt's voice as a weapon, and just blows up almost every ship, except for one. One scroll ship kind of gets away. Well, they decide to go after that scroll ship, and Crystal's really freaking out that that this is going on because they're bowling the shit out of everybody. And you have a quick uh, panel there with the Shire. And I don't know much about them other than they've been introduced in the X-Men books and they're a prominent uh, space-varying uh, race that's in space. And Cyclops and uh, uh, Polaris, not Polaris, uh, Havoc's brother is uh, Vulcan and uh, he he was part of the Shar and I think he's leading them now. But anyway, I just did a quick cut to that. And then uh, Crystal has a moment with her sister where she talks about you know uh, what their choices they're making and she asks her are the Kree going to be our next victim well th they have uh, a lot of hatred for the Kree because of what they did they were humans at one time they they created them to be weapons and that pissed them off because they're and they're constantly hunted down with these powers and treated like outsiders all the time uh, then we cut to the Kree world on Throne World, and you have Ronan the Accuser, who is a prominent figure in Annihilation. And one of one of the figures, he had his own uh, Annihilation mini, and I was so interested in that comic, not just for because it was like my first uh, impression of Ronan, but I I was so interested in the character, and. Um, now you have uh, him, and he knows that the Inhumans are coming after him. And what else do we got here? They uh, they realize that the Kree have this force field, and they're not really worried that that uh, they're going to be attacked because nothing can penetrate them. Little did they know that Karnak can detect a weakness anywhere. Well, he detected a weakness in a shield. They penetrated the shield. They attacked the Kree. They start blowing shit up. Um, they land on... They land pretty much where Ronan is. They, uh... They look like they're gonna kill him. But Ronan actually bows before uh, Black Bolt. 
So he submits and he says, I was waiting for a leader. He says, I'm not a leader. The only reason I was leading the Cree in this devastation that we had is because of annihilation, all the leaders were killed and I wanted our people just to keep going. So he actually bows down to Black Bolt and Black Bolt's the leader of the Cree now, which is really great. And then you cut to the Shire um, and you see Vulcan and there's like some gladiator wars going on. Everybody's shouting Vulcan, Vulcan, because he's actually killing somebody in these wars uh, in the gladiator pit. And he gets shown uh, a little glimpse of what's happening with their warbirds been obliterated. And that's how it ends. He said, it's an invitation. They're probably coming for us next. So uh, that that's how it All I can say is, wow, and I can't do this book justice. It was so powerful. And if you're an Inhumans fan, just to see Black Bolt attached to this weapon, blowing shit up all over the place was so damn exciting. And um, through Crystal, I've always liked Crystal and her viewpoint, and the way it was told through her was really great. The artwork was fantastic. It, It did look like Alan Davis art. So Pelletier, or I don't know how to, I've heard it pronounced, but even though I've heard it pronounced, I can never pronounce it right. It was, it was fantastic artwork, and the story was really good, and it prompted me to go start reading um, Guardians of the Galaxy, and I did so, and I started getting into it, and uh, it crosses over with this book. So uh, that's all I have to say about War of Kings, and uh, I'm looking forward to reading uh, Kingbreaker, which is takes place from the Shar point of view. It's called X Men Kingbreaker one through four. Uh, we have some War of Kings uh, Darkhawk. Uh, I've I always liked Darkhawk. I'm not saying Darkhawk by the way. I'm saying Darkhawk. Uh, that was a comic in the '90s, and that was an interesting character. And he was part of the New Warriors, and he was. I think there was a book called The Losers, and he was part of that. And I I enjoy the character, so I'm looking forward to that. That's two issue series. And there's several other uh, titles that are part of the War of Kings. Um, for instance, the reading order, which I think it is, but I might be wrong, is you got Secret Invasion and Humans 1 through 4. Very important to the storyline. Then you can jump into Guardians of the Galaxy number 7. X-Men Kingbreaker number 1. Guardians of the Galaxy number 8. So I'm going to read those three titles that I just said out of order. But uh, I, I don't think it's going to be as ingrained in the Inhuman universe right now. It's going to be side stories until the story comes together. Uh, we got Secret Invasion, War of Kings, One Shot, which I just read. In January, you got X-Men Kingbreaker, number two, Guardians of the Galaxy, number nine. In February, you got X-Men Kingbreaker, number three, Guardians of the Galaxy, number ten, War of Kings, Darkhawk, number one. In March, you got X-Men Kingbreaker, number four. Nova number 23, War of Kings Darkhawk number 2, and War of Kings number 1, which I think is a six-issue miniseries. So uh, I I highly recommend it. It got me really excited, and these books really, really stood out for me. I'd highly recommend it. I also then went to uh, read an old issue of Dazzler, another book I've picked up a full run for. It was Dazzler number 4. It was Dazzler versus Doctor Doom in the previous issue. She was performing in like some charity concert, which kind of sucks because she's broke. She was hoping to get paid, but her agent hooked her up with this job that 
wasn't going to pay her, but at least it was going to get her out in front of a lot of people so she can sing and hopefully lift her career up. But uh, Dr. Doom's next door stealing uh, a jewel from Latveria, and uh, that jewel is supposed to give him infinite powers, and she she actually ends up fighting Dr. Doom. Well, Dr. Doom captures her. One of the things that are great about these comics at this time is you know how Marvel currently gives you that one page where it kind of tries to summarize things? Well, back in the day, they tried to do it in two or three panels. So if you missed the previous issue, you'd be able to read those two or three panels and then figure out what was going on. Well, they did a really good job of that because I hadn't read number three in a long time, and this was number four. And uh, it was written by Tom DeFalco and Frank Springer. And Dr. Doom basically had a uh, hidden lair somewhere, I guess, in New York. And uh, Dazzler ended up missing because of the battle, and Dr. Doom captured her. And he was going to use her to send her to an alternate dimension to get another crystal that would give him infinite powers so he could conquer the world, of course. And so he sends her to this other world. Later you learn this world is run by Nightmare, so that's like a Doctor Strange villain that appears in the Marvel comics quite a bit. But there's creatures that attack her, and she has like... She's like, what can I do? I'm being attacked, and I can't use my power because... Her power is based on sound. She could turn sound into energy and light. And uh, she had no sound. So she pulls... She always has her rollerblades on or her her, uh, skates on. And her uh, disco purse. And her disco purse, she had like uh, a Walkman. Because back in the day, that's what you had is a Walkman or maybe a, a radio. But... Of course, she doesn't get reception in this alternate universe. So she has to, like, feed off of the monsters that are in the universe, create energy, destroy the monsters, and then Nightmare attacks her. Well, she ends up frustrating Nightmare, and Nightmare has to flee. And uh, Nightmare actually gives her that jewel to flee. So she ends up coming back with that jewel, and Doctor Doom now has the jewels. And she ends up being trapped again and somehow escapes, defeats Dr. Doom with the help of of uh, the Human Torch, and uh, she ends up getting away. But uh, she has no interest in being a superhero. She wishes that she stayed training with the X-Men because she was invited in earlier issues to stay with the X-Men. And uh, she ends up kind of like passed out at the end of this issue because Doom knocked the crap out of her. But Johnny takes her back, saves the day, and uh, Doom flees. So, and the crystal, I believe, was destroyed. I can't remember if it was or not because I don't have it in front of me. But this was a good issue. It was from like 1981, and the next issue is going to be quite interesting because in issue 5 is the first appearance of the Blue Shield. And Blue Shield currently, I think, has a comic right now written by Kevin Grievox, uh, Marvel Comics. And uh, so I'll be looking forward to reading that issue. And she just is able to fight all kinds of these high-powered villains. Like, she already met up with the Enchantress, and now she's dealing with Doctor Doom. And 
I'm looking forward to some more Dazzler. And and now I'm, we're going to cut to the uh, a song by The Cranks, which can be found on the Podsafe Music Network. And it is called um, Closing Down the Night. Uh, I really, searching for music on this Podsafe Music Network, I really started to really dig these guys. They're really good. And I uh, hope you enjoy it. Following that, um, Barbara and I are going to be discussing a lot of Vertigo trades along with some uh, movies that we recently seen and some TV. I hope you enjoy. And then I'll close out with some more uh, comic reviews and uh, some topics. See ya. Bye. Hope you enjoy this song.
okay? Yes. All right. Can you hear me? I can. So it's it's been like a really long time since we've done this. Yep, it has been. I think it's over been a year. A year. Yeah, I think you're right. Isn't the last time we did it before San Diego, or was it after San Diego when we went? Um, I'm not sure. I want to say it was before, so maybe two years. It might be, because I did one <laughs> after that by myself. Right. I think you're right. So what you been reading? No, oh, all kinds of stuff. I I read all of the exterminators, and I read that pretty quickly. Um, I liked it. I thought it was a really good series. It kept my interest. It was some a pretty bizarre group of people, that's for sure. Yeah, you're and, uh, you're way ahead of it than I am. <laughs> yeah. I know, I think you're, what, two or three that you still need to finish? Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I, I could tell, though, by the last, um, the last trade that it was, they were trying to wrap up the story, and they probably wrapped it up a little too quickly, I think. Um, you could tell mm-hmm. that it was going to be canceled or whatever the situation was, but... Yeah, it just kind of boom, 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 hits over. And there were a couple of things that happened in that last trade before that that were kind of, you kind of were left with some questions about, well, what happened to this person and what happened to this storyline? But, you know, they, they, they wrapped it up okay. So, but it would have been nice to have had a more spread out kind of ending with a little more detail, I think. But overall, I, I really enjoyed it. What did you think of the exterminators the, the of Bug Be Gone? The people themselves? Yeah. Maybe? They're all very strange. <laughs> <laughs> strange group of people. I mean, you had the, the ex-con, and he was probably the most normal one yeah. of the group. I mean, you had the one guy, AJ... Who was just the sex obsessed guy? That was just really kind of gross looking. Was dude. AJ the one that was uh, injecting the pesticide yeah. into him? Yeah, yeah, that's him. Yeah. So you know a lot more than I do because at the end of the first trade, something happens to him. Or, right. And I, and then later on, he shows up. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, you figure out all that stuff. Yeah. What's going on there? So, yeah, there was a, in the last trade, the first issue was just a one-shot, kind of stand-on-its-own issue, and that one was a really good one. Uh, Was it about AJ or what? No, it was, they were on a cruise. They were, I guess, um, hired to do an extermination on a cruise ship. And this cruise ship was just bizarre. <laughs> so wacky people and the whole cruise experience was bizarre. But it was I liked it. I liked that one shot on there. That's right. pretty 
was a good issue. Well, there was two more exterminators. There's a guy with the cowboy hat. Yeah, he was real philosophical kind of guy. I can't remember his name. Yeah. But, I, I just remember yeah. that he would and, do things that that would like be sweet justice, at least at the end of the yeah. first trade. <laughs> yeah, he had his ways of of taking care of things. And at the end of the first trade, I never got to really know the 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 heavy set guy. Yeah, yeah, you get to know him a little bit. Are there any more they introduce, or are there just those four? Well, you have that professor that worked for the Bug Be Gone company. He's trying right. to develop. Um, he's just, it tells you about his history in one of the trades, and I mean, this guy is just scary. You know, I don't know, you have to read it yeah. to see his history. But it's just bizarre. I mean, he's a bizarre person anyway. He's very, very strange. Mm-hmm. But you get to learn more about him and some of the future issues. So, yep, but I liked it. Well, I'm glad you liked it. Yeah. Well, if it has vertigo on it, I'm inclined to like it. Yeah, there's no uh, <laughs> vertigos that I've heard you say you didn't like, <laughs> except for Fables right. Volume 1 you didn't care for. Yeah, I didn't care for that one, and it almost turned me off, but that would lead us into the other ones I've read. Um, after that, you got the next trade, and I read that, and I really liked it. Um, I can't remember which set was volume two. That was Animal I think Farm. think was that Animal Farm. Yeah, uh, I really liked that one, because Animal Farm by George Orwell is one of my favorite books anyway. So, just so that that trade was really good. And then I read Volume 3, which was Storybook Love. Is that what that one was? Yeah. That, that, that was good. Too. That was the one that hooked me. Yeah. I thought Animal Farm was slightly better than the first one, and then Storybook Love hooked me. And I yeah, haven't see, read I like the fourth Animal one. Farm. Yeah, and I read the fourth one in about um, in one day, and that was about 230 pages. But I finished it in a day because it was a lot of action and a lot of stuff going on. That's the March of the Wooden Soldiers in Volume 4. So are you looking forward to if that ever comes out on TV? I don't know. It'll be interesting because there's so much story, I think that I don't know how they're going to pick and choose what they actually show on a TV show. Yeah. So it would it'd be curiosity, of course, to um, lead me to watch it just to see what they do and see if they do a good job at it. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I'm sure I would watch. So, yep. So Fables I'm enjoying Got to get volume five. Yes, we do. (laughs) (laughs) I'm waiting on you. You read uh, Young Liars. What did you think of that? I I don't even know what the hell that's about. Yeah, I read volume one of of Young Liars. Um, Daydream Believer is the title on that volume. And I liked it. It started off 
kind of slow for me. It was just, all, well, not really slow, but it was all over the place. And I just didn't know kind of what was going on. It was going to the past and going to the present and kind of back and forth. And you really didn't know what was going on and kind of didn't know what was going on in this one guy's mind for a while. But at the about the halfway part, halfway mark of it, it really started picking up and it got really, really good. And by the end, there were some things going on that it was like, holy crap, I can't believe that just happened. So, yeah, it got really good for, at the end and I can't wait to get the next volume of that whenever it comes out. Or is it out? I don't know. I don't think so. Um, what's the general, can you give a general premise of it? Is it like yeah, a, just an acid about, trip or what? <laughs> no, it's. I mean, the main one of the the main characters is this guy named Danny. Um, he's always been in love with this this girl named Sadie, and something happened to her where her um, her fear inhibitors no longer work. So she'll fight anybody anytime. She'll do any kind of stunt, you know, water ski behind a cruise ship. She'll just do anything because she's not afraid of anything. Mm-hmm. She'll beat up thugs in an alley. She doesn't care well, she's smiling and happy to do it. And, and so he's trying to protect her along the way. And it, their relationship is kind of twisted mainly because he's kind of twisted. So um, it's just those two, and then they've got friends, like there's a um, cross-dressing friend that they have that hangs out with them, and um, kind of like the slut, I guess you should say, you could say character. There's an anorexic former model, and this other kind of, he acts like a rich guy, but... Um, I don't think he really is. So, yeah, and there, it's just these adventures that they're on and things that happen because of her um, not being afraid of things, what happens, and it kind of gives the past of, you know, how what happened to her happened to her. And, um, yeah, it's just pretty interesting. There's just all kinds of crazy crazy people, crazy characters in there. So, yep. Do you think I'll like it? Oh, yeah. I think you'll like it for sure. Because you know I didn't like Vinyl Underground. No, it's not like Vinyl Underground. And I'm about halfway through volume one of that. But you're kind of liking it, right? Kind of, yeah. I mean, you can see it's. I started it last weekend and here it is the following weekend and I'm just halfway I haven't even picked it up all week it's not like you know Fables where I finished it in a day or some of the other stuff where I couldn't wait to see what was going to happen next but um, it's kept my interest it's just not something that oh I can't wait to see what happens next mm-hmm. kind of thing I, can I, I can't wait to uh, get you uh, the trade of Unknown Soldier I lo- that's one of my favorites right now you think I would like that? Yeah, it's Vertigo. It's okay. kind of like uh, Hotel Rwanda, but real okay. twisted. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's amazing. It's incredibly violent. 
okay. And the other thing I read was scalped, which kind of took me about halfway to almost three-quarters of the way through the volume until I um, really started to like it. I agree with you. I, I thought it was kind of slow, and it took me a while to get into the characters, but once I got past and, and learned more about his mother and uh, their relationship and a lot about his background and what was going on right. with the FBI, that's when it hooked me. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And then, the, like I told you before, the artwork, I had problems with the art where I couldn't almost tell who was who because everybody kind of looked the same. Mm-hmm. and kind of blended a lot and nobody had real distinct characteristics to me and that made it kind of difficult for me to read because I just didn't know who was who and who was talking and well was this this guy or was this somebody else and so it, it just took a lot of getting used to I think right. for and me that, and that one ended on one hell of a cliffhanger at least I thought right. oh yeah yeah definitely the first trade Yep. And not only that, but you've whipped through all of the DMZ trades. Yeah, oh yeah. You're all I caught up that. on that. Yeah, definitely. I really enjoyed that series, too. Uh, of all the Vertigo titles that you've read, which one's your favorite? Um, I would have to say DMZ. Cool. I like that one. Well, Y's got to be up there, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, Why the Last Man would have to be number one, but ones that I'm still reading it would be DMZ. Ones that are still going on. Right, yeah, yeah. So definitely Why the Last Man was my favorite. What did you think of the ending? Of Why? Yeah. I thought it was good. I thought it was appropriate. Yeah. I thought it was a good ending. Yeah, it was a... It'd be interesting to see how how the movie does for that when they make a movie. Mm-hmm. That read really well in trade. Oh, absolutely. I had yeah. the individual issues but read the trades. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I much prefer the trades. Because even with Fables, this last volume, if I, I was telling you, I couldn't have read it individually just because there was so much going on, it would have killed me to have to wait for the next issue mm-hmm. of the storyline. So, yeah, I I just much prefer trades. I don't have to wait. Well, it's been an incredibly long time since we recorded, but do you remember postcards? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. That was freaking awesome, I, I thought. Oh, yeah. Uh, there were some really, really great stories in that, that book. They're supposed to be coming out with a sequel. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Different authors? Yeah. Okay. Well, I think think Phil Hester's still involved. I don't remember exactly which story he wrote, because we read it such a long time ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, it was almost a few years ago. Yeah, I talked to him, and and he said he was going to be part of the next one. Okay. Yeah, that should be really good. If it follows the the first set of stories. What what I loved like about that. that is, 
it was all imagination. In other words, you got to read these real-life postcards. Do you remember the time periods? Were they like from the 20s to the... Yeah, some of them were 1800s. Well, they were really old postcards. (laughs) And some of them didn't really say much. (laughs) Mm -hmm. They were very, very cryptic. It was up to the writers to interpret what was going on in the postcard. Mm -hmm. And then some of them interpreted it to be something that you wouldn't even think. Yeah. Of you look at it as one way, and then you read the story that they've written, and you think, where did they come up with that? Mm-hmm. But I'm like, okay, it worked. <laughs> right. So yeah, it was. There were some really, really good stories. I'd highly recommend that book for anybody who hasn't picked it up. Yep. And the only other one that I remember that you read from the con was Elk's Run. And I don't know if you remember much about that, but that was like the uh, Waco, Texas thing. Um, Sorry, I don't remember. Yeah. Did I read it? Yeah, it was. It was that little, it was about those kids in that uh, town that was kind of like Waco where they wouldn't let anybody out of the town. Oh, okay. And that trucker, right. that trucker oh. came and tried to get him out or help him. That's right. Yeah. That was a long time ago. Yeah, that was a long time ago. <laughs> I don't really uh, remember much about it. Yeah. And then, of course, you've uh, been reading True Story, Swear to God, which is on, seems like a oh, wicked yeah. hiatus. Yeah, it has been. I haven't even checked his blog lately to see if he's said anything about it. He's, uh... He's working on the wedding issue. Oh, okay. Where they get married in, at Disneyland. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that one's such a good book. But it hasn't been solicited yet, <laughs> so it might be, mm-hmm. be a while before we see that. Wow. Yep. I always read that one. I've been. I read the scan too. That you're getting. Oh yeah, I've got more of those. Individual for you. issues. Oh, okay. I think I have the whole series now, so I think you've read the first two. Uh huh. Yeah, I read the first two. I'm liking that. I I didn't. Mm-hmm. I I've only seen part of the movie. I haven't even seen the whole movie. Yeah, well, I read the book. Yeah, the I read book the book I, and I watched the movie. The book is huge. Yeah, it's a very big book, <laughs> and no pictures. Yeah, <laughs> that's why I haven't read it. That's right. I've only read uh, two Stephen King books. Wow. Um, I read Misery, which is mm. probably the most stressful book I've ever read in my life because it's like I didn't want to read it anymore because I was getting so stressed. And Right. But I finished yeah. it, and then I, I read Salem's Lot a long, long time ago. Mhm. Yeah, I've read a lot of Stephen King books. Yeah. Did you ever read any Dark Tower? No, I've never read any of those. I think Mark gave me a bunch of them, but I haven't read them. I have so many books to read. So yeah, I haven't haven't read that one. Any particular novels that you're reading or have read that stood out? Well, I read a book called Out. It's by a Japanese female author, and I cannot remember her name, but um, 
it's the book has won awards in Japan, and it was her first book that's been translated into English. And I really like that book. Um, Which is unusual because I usually usually stay away <laughs> from female writers like the plague. Right. <laughs> yeah, I usually do because I just usually don't care for female authors. But why, why, this is why, part of a. Why is that? Is it... I don't know. I just tend not to like them. I'm actually reading one now. I think it's a, a female author. It's a British crime novel. I'm reading that. It's called Half Broken Things. I think it's a woman author. It's a strange name, strange author's name, so I can't really tell, but I think it's a woman. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I just have a tendency. I just don't read female authors very often, but... That book out. That's about a woman. Um, it's about a group of women, about four women. They work at a um, a factory in Japan that packages box lunches, which I guess are common there. It's you put like the rice and the meat and vegetables and sauce on it, and then they take them to the stores and sell them like a kind of like a Seven Eleven type store, I guess. Mm. But um, one of the women is being abused by her husband and she eventually kills him and packs the her lunch, friend... packs him in a lunch. <laughs> no, not that no, not <laughs> that bad. But her friends her friends helped dispose of the body and in a in a really kind of nasty gross way and then they um it just kinda of gets all twisted up into uh, the gambling world and I don't know, it was, it was really interesting. The character development was really good. There's one character that you just, God, you just absolutely hate this person. She's so horrible. But it was a great book. I really liked it. And now I'm reading this, like I said, the book Half Broken Things, and that's about a woman who is a house sitter. So she's watching this house, and she's done this for years, where she goes house to house and they've told her that she can't do it anymore because of her age. She's 59. And they said, you can't, you know, this is your last house that you're going to watch. So she gets mad and just like burns all the owner, the house owner's papers and stuff. I don't know. She just, and uh, there's these other two characters, uh, a guy, he's kind of a criminal and ends up with this girl who's about nine months pregnant and they become friends, and then eventually they are, end up at this woman's house because of circumstances. And I don't know, I'm, not, I'm only about halfway through with the book right now, but it's starting to get a little more action and a little more... It, start, it started off really slow, <laughs> not <laughs> that much. But it's starting to pick up a little more. Well, you know, made you read that? Is, that? is that one that Mark gave Well, him? that was... No, actually, the book Out and this one were part of a buy two, get one free table at Barnes & Noble, and I had my gift card. So I got those two, and then I got the Maltese Falcon, because I figured if I had a gift card, I'm going to buy, I'm going to try to get something that I normally wouldn't look for to buy. So I just read the backs of the books that were on the table, and whatever sounded interesting is what I got. Mm-hmm. So, and, you know, I was glad I got that book out. That was really a good buy. And, you know, I'll see by the time this one is 
is done with to see how how I feel about this one. What made you get the Maltese Falcon? That's the classic. I've never read it. <laughs> so I thought I would. Ah. <laughs> you just don't no. usually read old stuff. Yeah, I know. Somebody told me I should. So I put it on my list. Ah. So you want to yeah, talk... Got, oh, go ahead. I was going to say I bought October Sky, too. The book for that. There was a movie, but I never saw the movie. Mm. But I bought the book for that one, too. So, yep. That's about it. Those are the only ones that I've read so far, because I just usually read at lunchtime, mainly. Mm-hmm. So, that's half an hour a day. Okay, that's it. Well, today we went to go see Friday the 13th. Yes, we did. What did you think? (laughs) (laughs) It was a typical Friday the 13th movie. Yeah. (laughs) There was no surprises. There was nothing unusual that happened. You know, it was the typical Friday the 13th. That's about it. (laughs) (laughs) Did you like it or not really? I liked it. It was entertaining. It kept me awake for whatever hour and a half, however long it took. You probably yeah. would have rather seen Taken, right? No, oh, I, w- I want to see that, but I was the one who was kind of wanting to go see this anyway. Yeah. Friday the 13th, just to see it. I thought it was okay. I thought it was fun. Yeah. <laughs> you just like the boobies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It, it it was true to the style of those movies, you know. It's mm-hmm. got the sex, it's got the drugs. Yep. It has the stupid friends, you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. You always have to have the the extra guy who you know is going to get get it first usually. Yeah. Had one of the longest opening scenes before <laughs> the credits that I've ever seen. Actually the cred no the credits were we're at the beginning, but then after that first opening part, then it just said Friday the 13th. Oh, yeah. But it did have all the, the credits and stuff at the beginning, beginning. Right. But, yeah, it was, you kind of thought the movie was going to be over in 15 minutes at first. But it wasn't, so, yeah. I can't remember if the originals, if he would go out during the day. Do you remember? I don't remember. I know he killed somebody with like a harpoon in one of the 3Ds or whatever, but I don't remember if that happened during the day or not. I don't think that was at night because they were already drinking and I think somebody was upstairs having sex and the guy had gone out to the dock and or the girl had gone out to the dock something. But yeah, that was at night. Yeah, this this one seemed to combine the first two movies, I, I thought. Because it had the barn scene, you know, where they had the mm-hmm. chain kind of yeah, strangling right. him. And yeah, it, it's true. It ended kind of similar to the first movie. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, You're right. That one rich kid was a prick. I was hoping he would die early. I know. He was just an ass. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yep. 
was a Friday the 13th. Can't I think the hardest, the hardest kill to watch was the, for me, was the Asian kid. Oh, because <laughs> it was slow. Yeah, because it was slow <laughs> and it, the way it just penetrated was kind of painful. Yeah, I'm sure it was. <laughs> And I think the one that made me go, ooh, was the one during the daylight when the guy's in the speedboat. Oh, yeah, that one was, like, you didn't expect <laughs> you, that one at all. Yeah, you don't expect that one's out, out of the blue. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I thought it was entertaining. Mm-hmm. I was surprised yeah. how much they didn't uh, do any of the music. I mean, it, it showed up like, you know, that... Yeah, but it wasn't a lot of it. It was True, like some yeah, of, I didn't even think about that. Uh, some of, had a lot of different music. I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. We got to hear Sister Christian. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I was kind of surprised that guy was listening to Sister Christian on his iPod. Yeah, <laughs> but that was interesting. But yeah, so it was all right. What did you think of the previews? Any previews stand out to you? Uh, I mean, just The Watchmen and the other ones, not so much. I kind of want to see that Apatow, I can't never pronounce that guy's name. Did he do that? Oh, The Adventure Yeah, Yeah, I think he produces it. Yeah. Yeah, that one looked pretty funny. I like how he has oh, the same actors in his stuff, like like uh, Kevin Smith and some of the other people. Yeah. Oh, there was that Seth Rogen movie, too. Yeah, that one looks that one looks entertaining. Yeah, I can't remember what I don't know who the hell does that. I don't know who did it. It's not Apatow, because I looked. No. Uh-uh. Yeah, that one looked... It's kind of like he's a mall cop. Mm-hmm. And he's sees he I guess was trying to protect a woman that was raped or attacked yeah. or something. Played by that girl from the scary movies. Is that her? Movies. Yeah, that's her. And the House Bunny movie. Ah, uh, I never yeah, saw that. that. Was her. Well, I didn't either, but I saw the previews. And, and I usually have a hard time making it through the scary movies. Yeah, I know. Me too. They, it's kind of weird they, they, they after the first half hour. They sometimes start out really cool, like the uh-huh. one was Shaq and what was it, Doctor Phil? Doctor Phil. Yeah. <laughs> the, they did a pl- just make the basket. Yeah, they did a play off of uh, a saw. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he had to make a free throw in order to free. Yeah. Him. <laughs> he couldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> and. Yeah. Uh, w- w- and then Dr. Phil ended up sawing off the one leg that wasn't attached His to wrong the wrong foot, yeah. He <laughs> <laughs> sawed off the wrong foot. Yeah, that's ridiculous. <laughs> yes, it was. And speaking of but, um, another horror movie we watched recently, um, The Strangers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was really good. That one scared the poop out of me. I know it did. Yeah. <laughs> it, I mean, I was on the edge of my seat, like, I was even scared the doorbell was going to ring. <laughs> I always get paranoid about those damn movies. Because it could happen. Yeah, then you're, it could happen. And then your imagination runs wild because it tells you 
this is based on a true story or roughly based. It was based on true events. Yes, but but it was ridiculous. It was like Heath said. It was like it was based uh-huh. on a pizza pizza delivery guy. No, I just right. <laughs> Basically. It was so ridiculously based on. It was disappointing to see what it was based on. Yeah, but was, you should know what it Didn't it say on IMDb that it was or Wikipedia, Wikipedia or whatever that the it there was some like break-ins into houses in the neighborhood and he based it off of that. No, he said when he was a kid, somebody knocked on the door asking for somebody, and it was the wrong house. <laughs> And that was, <laughs> and that was what triggered him to. No, but I, I thought it said that. That's what. Yeah. That's what triggered it. But there was some break-ins in some of the houses. Mm, could be. Yeah, I just remember you talking about that. I remember there was there was the that. Yeah, somebody knocked on the door. Yeah, delivering pizza. Is it you? <laughs> Did you order pizza? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it was just somebody asking for somebody. Yeah, and they were at the wrong house. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm being sarcastic. Oh, okay. <laughs> And then, uh, and then he said he built, based it on Helter Skelter or Charles Manson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, I, 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 I found it really frightening. I, I, yeah, I wouldn't know what the fuck to do. I really wouldn't. <laughs> right. I, that's why I don't like to go camping, Barb. So what? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but that was really good. Or stay at like hotels, like those creepy hotels that only have like ten, fifteen rooms. Yeah. <laughs> uh huh. I don't think we ever have. Yeah. <laughs> so, yep. And I also I saw um, Slum Dog Millionaire yesterday by myself. Yes, she did. I had the day off work. Must be and nice. That was a fantastic movie. That was really good. That was really good storytelling. I enjoyed that movie a lot. A lot more than Friday the 13th? Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> 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 not a hard choice at all. <laughs> and, and then, um, was that Scooter? <laughs> yes. What the hell is he barking at? Oh, <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> so, um... But yeah, they had the the preview for the next Harry Potter movie, The Half Blood Prince, and that looked really good. We're we're still two really movies behind, creepy. though, Barb. Yeah. Oh yeah, I know. <laughs> we're still behind in it, but um, but yeah, this one looked really really good. Looked very do they, creepy. Do those guys look like uh, adults now? Oh yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> He's got the he's got a biological clock. Yes, he, he's got he a hunger clock, time. is what it is. Yeah, <laughs> it's a hunger clock. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, that that preview looked really good. And I'm really and looking. Kind of, I'm really looking forward to Watchmen. That's I'm really excited, and I'm so glad mm-hmm. that you bought me the book and I got to read it before the movie. Yeah, because. Yeah. Um, I just went, if you go to YouTube and you Google Black Freighter, um, mm-hmm. the Black Freighter is like some, in between each chapter of Watchmen, there's like prose where he actually yeah. writes like story without sequential art. And uh-huh. uh, 
one of the stories is the Black Freighter, which is like kind of like a pirate-based story. And mm-hmm. uh, I guess they're releasing that uh, as a DVD when the movie comes out. I guess they're not oh, okay. including it in the real movie, so they have mm-hmm. uh, a preview of it. It's going to be animated, and it looks really cool. Cool. Yep. Sounds good. I was hoping to see the Harry Potter one too, but yeah, I was kind of hoping you would have had a chance to see that today. I could probably go find it online. Yeah. Oh, and then the preview we saw today too for *Inglorious Bastards*, a Quentin Tarantino movie. Oh shit! That's so, I, I'm excited. I'm really <laughs> excited about that. Yeah, that looked really good. I mean, it had the one kid from Freaks and Geeks. It has the one guy, Ryan, yeah. from The Office. He yep. looks insane. That's Eli Roth. Yeah, Eli Roth. You know what? E- e- doesn't Eli Roth look to you a lot like Siler? A little bit? Yeah, yeah. I- well, that's why I kept looking at him, and I couldn't figure out who is that again. And I'm oh, it's Eli Roth. Well, my first instinct when I saw him is Siler's in another movie. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he does look quite a bit like him. At least I think so. Yeah, and then Brad Pitt is in there too. Brad Pitt looked good. I love when he's giving yeah. that speech. Yep. <laughs> and then they show Hitler yeah. kind of flipping out, you know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yep. Looks that like movie looks good. awesome, and I, I really like Quentin Tarantino movies. Yeah, it's not supposed to be out till August. They're so, they're so over the top, and... I know mm-hmm. he's going to do this one kind of crazy. Just know it. Yeah, maybe. I think so. Yeah. Could be. So are all those soldiers that go undercover for him, are they, what What are they? Are they, are they Jewish think, or what? what are yeah, they? I think they're Jewish. I think because that's what the whole premise is. He gets these Jewish guys to go in and infiltrate. And, German Jewish? And, Jewish guys yeah. or what? I don't know. I, I haven't looked at the background enough. I just kind of went off the preview. I'm sure somebody out there might know a little right. more about it. So, I am really yeah. excited about that one. When does that one come out? Do you know? August, it said. Ah. I forgot all about away. that until you reminded me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a good preview. I'm almost as excited to see that as Watchmen. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. Um, but I, I won't. And then when the Watchmen comes out, they're supposed to have a new Star Trek trailer also. When, when Before the Watchmen. Yeah. So I can't wait to see that. Yeah. I was really surprised that you told me to buy you the Star Trek countdowns. Well, I didn't even know they existed. <laughs> Because, you know, unless they can't wait to see the movie. Well, they have, like, a thousand different Star Trek books, so I didn't even think about it. Right. But this is, this is like, a prequel for the movie, though, right? Yeah, I ordered you the trade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. I know when Heath mentioned it on Geek Brunch, I thought, well, I'll have my copy. Mm-hmm. Have it. I ordered you the Muppet comic, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's two Muppet comics. Yeah. I guess one is going to be like a Robin Hood-ish Muppets, and then there's there's ah. the Muppet Show. Oh, okay. When is that supposed to come out? 
Um, I think in two months, if not a month away. So, you want to talk some TV real quick? Sure. Well, we're all caught up on Heroes. Well, we haven't watched this week's episode. I thought we did. I thought we watched it right after. Oh, yeah. Was that it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. We're we're, we're all caught up. Yeah. I'm yeah, really liking mm-hmm. it this season so far. Yeah. I am too. Well, they condensed a lot too because for a while there they had about five thousand different characters that they were trying to follow. Yeah. And they've made it into a much smaller group of people. I kind of miss uh, Micah and his cousin though. Yeah, I do too. I like. I, re- I like them, I, but I guess I kind of really ran w- out of storyline for them. I really wanted to see what happened to her after they escaped and what. Because mm-hmm. she tried to be a superhero and it didn't really work out too well. <laughs> no. <laughs> nope. Yeah, she wasn't too good at it. Yeah. Yep. But I really like the, like, being hunted. And I, I really like how they had them all chained together in these orange suits with hoods over their heads. and mm-hmm. Had them all drugged. Yeah. Yep. What's, yeah, it should be an interesting I can't even think of what's his name's the, the guy that's working with the president to find them all. Who's that guy again? Senator? Noah? No, not Noah. Oh, Nathan? Nathan. Nathan? Yeah. That guy's a prick. No, yeah. He's well, he's been, he's, been, he's been a prick twice. He's been a prick in season one. Mm-hmm. At least they, he played like two faced, mm-hmm. and now he's that character again. And in season two, he was kind of a good guy again. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. And uh, we didn't. Yep. We haven't seen a uh, wharf anymore. I know. It's disappointing. I wanted to see more of him. I thought we would see the president. I thought we would uh, have seen him already. Yep. Or at least hear his wonderful voice. That would be nice. <laughs> Who's your favorite hero or villain? Um, I don't know. Out of the ones they're showing right now? No, over the whole Overall. course of the series. Hmm. I don't know. It's hard, for, it's hard to say. Really curious, because I, I never asked you that before. <laughs> well, it's a good time to ask me now and put me on the spot. <laughs> I, I like two of them. I, I like Siler. I really mm-hmm. like Siler because... I don't know, the... All the heroes to me are like a cancer, and he wants to get rid of them. <laughs> He's like, yeah, but they're not all like that, though. No, but if you consider him a disease, he's like the cure to the disease. Yeah, but I mean, he's killing good people too, though. How is he? How is that good? I don't. I can't even say that the good people are good people. Okay. The only the only person that I'm confident I can say as a hero is Hero. Mm, but I mean, any of the people that he's killed, 
I mean, he went and killed the woman in her office who had the truth sensing ability. Oh, he needed you know? that ability, he though. Just, he needed it. Right, but that's <laughs> not being a disease and wiping out all the bad and the cancer. She's just working her job. Well, if you consider mutants <laughs> like the next stage of evolution, and he's trying to to prevent that from happening. No, he's just being selfish, and he wanted the power, so he killed her. I like him. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't go along with your reasoning about him, though. Um, and I, I, I always liked uh, Noah. I don't, I don't know why, but I do. And then Hero, I, I love Hero. Yeah. His innocence, and like when season two ended. Or was it season two or season three? What season are we on now? Three? We're on season three right now. Season two, I loved those comic book episodes. I just thought they were great. At the comic book store? Yeah. Yeah, those were good. And I loved I loved the episode with his mother. When he went back in time and saw his mother before mm-hmm. she died, I thought that was awesome. Right. Yeah, that was a touching little episode. And now he's yeah. powerless. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and Ando has the power now. That's a sucky power, though. Mm-hmm. I would fucking hate that power. Excuse my language. <laughs> yeah. That would that would suck because you don't get any benefit from the power. You're like, oh, I'm gonna boost somebody else's power. I'm like a super battery. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It doesn't oh, seem... I think he's happy with it, though. I don't think so. I think he's he even complained about it. Cause, cause... I thought he was just complaining about how Hero was treating him because of it. No, because he was trying to turn him to a superhero, and he's like, I'm not a superhero. I can't even do anything. I could boost people's powers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why he took off on the bike. To go get <laughs> laid. <laughs> and then he didn't. Almost did. Do you do you remember? I I I just don't understand the mother's power. Does she have any power? It it seemed like she she... can see the future. Oh, I thought she was able to see the future. I thought that was her power. It sure made it look that way, but then it seemed to go away at during the the phase with her husband. I don't know. It's Mm -hmm. like she was using it, and then it. Didn't use it anymore. Yeah. So I, yeah, I don't know exactly what happened. Because if she could see the future, it seems like she could tell <clears throat> which of her sons is evil and which one's doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have a, f- I have a feeling that they're going to flip the Nathan story on us. In other words, he's doing it for a reason, or, or there's some... There's something that we don't know why he's doing what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who knows? I don't know where they're going with it. I also like uh, the Haitian. I think he's badass. Yeah, yeah, I like the Haitian. And yeah. I like the speedster, too. I liked her. <laughs> Daphne. Yeah, Daphne. <laughs> yeah. If she's really dead. I liked her backstory, too. I thought that was interesting. Mm -hmm. Right. 
because you could kind of mm-hmm. see why she wouldn't want to ever lose her powers again. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. True. Yeah. And then we're uh, we're about halfway into Battlestar Galactica season three, three. Right. Yep, I'm watching a lot of those. And it's intense, I think. Mhm. Oh yeah, the characters and it's such a good show. Very good show. Yes. It continues right after season three. With the occupation of New Caprica. Is that what they call it? Yeah, it was New Caprica. And the uh this is gonna contain a little bit of spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> but uh the Cylons occupate took over New Caprica and pretty much had Baltar as their bitch. <laughs> and, pretty much. In this last episode, um, it it kind of blew me away. Um, mm-hmm. I really yeah. It really showed the relationship between Starbuck and uh, Lee Lee Adama. Mm-hmm. And not yeah. only that, oh. but you got cool boxing fights. Oh yeah, because everybody was like wasted on the <laughs> ship and it was like you could actually go in the ring and pick out somebody that really pissed you off yep. and try to beat the shit out of them and I, yeah. I thought the uh, commander Adama when when he fought with uh, God what's his Admiral. name? Admiral Adama Chief, Chief yeah that was <laughs> something else yeah that was quite the fight yep and then you had Starbuck and Hot Dog, and she just beat the shit out of him. <laughs> it came out she, in about 30 seconds. She mopped the floor with him. I don't think he did anything. Yep. But Hot Dog actually called her out, because you could actually pick somebody that you wanted to fight. And he says, yeah. I want to fight Starbuck. That was a bad decision. Yeah, that was a bad decision. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, yeah, it's been a good season so far. Yeah, I'm I'm really enjoying it. Mm-hmm. And last but not least is Freaks and Geeks. Right. It's a great show. I love it. Mm-hmm. It's like a high school show all over again. The, yeah. o- the only part that kind of, I don't know, gets me kind of frustrated is that Lindsay is like this smart girl whose grandma mm-hmm. died and she tries to like get away from the her norm in other words she tries to hang mm-hmm. out with the I don't know if you want to call them a bad crowd I guess they are a bad crowd <laughs> yeah I don't, I don't see any redeeming and... qualities to any of them really yeah <laughs> I, I do I do like um is it Neil uh the, the drummer, the drummer. Yeah. I, I think he's got a good heart but he hangs mm-hmm. out with Daniel, and Daniel, who's played by uh, James Franco, who was mm-hmm. Harry Osborne. Mm-hmm. Um, he he's just a bad person. <laughs> I just yeah, he was like Randy was to you in high school. Who? <laughs> Ran- Randy. 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 Yeah. 
Yeah, he was, you in he high was school. the bad guy. He's like, come on, let's go do this. He convinced yeah. you to do the bad thing. <laughs> Great. Yeah. <laughs> when you're the only one with a license and he convinces you to do the wrong thing. He's, uh-huh. he's the devil on your shoulder. And there was mm-hmm. no there was no angel on the other side. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was it. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, it's just a great show. I guess it's set in 1980, isn't it? Yeah. I, I don't remember who's the character. Oh, is his name Bill? Is that the one I really like? The nerd guy? I don't know. I don't remember. The one with the glasses. I know, I thought you looked it up. <laughs> I, I don't remember his name, but there's three nerds. There's the the Jewish kid, uh-huh. and I can't remember his name. <laughs> yeah, we love Oh, his, his name is Neil. His name is Neil. So you got Sam, Neil, and I think Bill. I think. Mm-hmm. And um, Bill is my favorite. He he kind of annoyed me because he was like typecast as really a bad geek, but once you learn his personality and some of his best lines are in the deleted scenes. Right. <laughs> I don't know why they yeah. cut him out because they're they're freaking <laughs> hilarious. Yeah, he's got some funny things to say. Yeah. So uh you got James Franco, Lindy. Cardellini, is that what it Cardellini. is? Cardellini. Mm-hmm. You, you know, it's on ER now. ER is almost over, though. Yeah, it's a few more episodes. Is she only in one season, or what? She's been there for like two or three years already. Ah. Yeah. And she was Velma in Scooby-Doo movie. I really like her in this show. I just don't know what her motivation is to hang out with this crowd because I don't think she gets any benefit at all. Mm-hmm. I think she just has a crush on Daniel and she just wants to hang out with them. I forget what what's-her-name is, is, but I hate that girl that hangs Kim. Kim. Man, do I guess her. She's, she, <laughs> you, you mentioned she's in Terminator. She's their neighbor. Yeah, their pregnant neighbor in Terminator, and she was also in ER for about a season and a half, maybe. Yeah. So, she is yep. a bitch in this show. I mean, yeah. she has no <laughs> likable qualities at all. But at the same time, you see what her family life is like, and you kind of can understand why she's the way she is and why she has to have the attitude she is, has just to survive at home. So... I, yeah. I mean, I thought her parents are always yelling at her because she's such a bitch, though. No, I just I think, think if that she that's... tried to be good, her parents wouldn't be on her case. I don't know. I think it's just one of those home situations that you, there's it's a no-win situation. I don't know. I think it's the whole nature versus nurture thing. And, um, you know, did she turn out that way because of her family life, and or is her family life because she's that way? I, don't I think know. she's a bitch. That's all I know. <laughs> she, she reminds me a lot of um, the character Riley. that it, Riley in 
I, I hate Sarah Riley Connor. and Sarah Connor. I can't stand her. <laughs> and she reminds me a lot of her. Right. And uh, it, it's her personality. It's there, There's nothing there to like. There's nothing. I don't yeah. even feel for her because she annoys me to no end. But uh, yeah. they also have uh, Joe F- Flatterty. He he, I know him from Second City TV. He used to always play mm-hmm. the vampire guy, and he's hilarious in this show. As the father, yeah, Sam and Lindsay's dad. Well, I like the yeah. mom too, mm-hmm. Jean and Harold. Um, yeah, she's really good. But she, the dad just—he's so funny with the stories, and he's always got a friend who died yeah. because they did something the kids are considering <laughs> doing. <laughs> he's like doing—he so always funny. gives them these stories, like you know who else did drugs? <laughs> Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> You know what happened you know what to Jimmy Hendrix? He's dead. <laughs> <laughs> Who else did he mention? He mentioned when somebody mentioned they were going to smoke or something, and he said, I had a friend who smoked. You know what happened to him? He got lung cancer, and he died. <laughs> yeah, and then, and then he mentioned Janis Joplin, too. I, I yeah, think. Janis Joplin. Yeah, you know the who same else did thing drugs? Janis Joplin. You know what happened to her? <laughs> She died. <laughs> yes, but funny. She, uh, Linda or uh, Lindsay and Sam, they have good parents. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And there's a much better home life. Their home life is good, except I think Lindsay's going the wrong direction with these kids. Yeah. So they've gone through what six episodes. Uh, six, yes. Yeah. And Seth Rogen's in it. But he doesn't really have a big role in it yet. No, no. He He wasn't even there for two of the episodes. Yeah, he seems to be a background character, even though he's one of the six or seven people that show up in the credits, like, every episode. Right. In the starting credits. But uh, I'm loving it, and I can't believe we didn't support it when it was on. <laughs> Maybe it would still yep, be on well, if uh, if we watched it. Right, yep, just like Firefly, and yep, that would have still been on if we'd watched it when it was yeah. on. Yeah. It, I, I, think, I think it's a timing thing. I don't know. I think this show could have succeeded if it... Seems like all the good shows just don't succeed, like Friday Night Lights. Mm-hmm. It's still last in its place, and it's such right. a damn good show. People would rather watch a procedural show, like CSI, or just those shows that follow the same pattern over and over and over again. Yeah, I think I want to wa- start watching The Ghost Whisperer. <laughs> Just because I think she's hot in the comic book I liked a lot. She's all anorexic looking right now, her face. I don't know. People complained about her weight, and then she went off saying that it doesn't matter. Women are supposed to have curves, and it's fine. And then she went and dumped 30 pounds, and her face has that anorexic looking mouth where the teeth just don't look right and the mouth doesn't look right. And, I just know yeah, the artists that portray or draw her in the comics, I mean, on the covers, are they're just gorgeous. Yeah, well, I'm sure. I'm sure they can draw her any way they want. <laughs> but watching her on the show, it's, 
kind of gross looking at her face. I'm sure a lot of people probably don't even bother looking at her face. But, you know, I have friends who don't even bother, don't even know what her face looks like, considering her as her little asset. But, yeah, so... <laughs> I don't know. The show's okay. I've seen a few episodes of it. But, you know, yeah, you could take it or leave it. And I think I added to the queue my so-called life. I think that's the one. Mm-hmm. That's the one yeah, that you said you already watched, but yeah, I watched I, a lot of it. I read, I read a lot about it, and it sounds like I'd like it. Yeah, I watched. I don't know if I watched every episode when it was out, but I remember watching a lot of it. But that was only on for one season. And the other show I'm dying to get on DVD is The Wonder Years because I caught on to that show like really late. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was Yeah, like, I watched a lot of those episodes, but I'm not sure if I saw all of them. I think I saw, like, the last two episodes, and that was it. I mean, mm-hmm. like, the last... Maybe the last season and two other episodes. Okay. So, I, I caught on to that really late, and I really want to see that. Yeah, that was a really good show. Yeah. It had the feel of, like, Stand By Me. At least... That's mm-hmm. what it kind of reminded me of. I'll agree with that. Anything else yep. you want to mention? Mm, nothing I can think of. Nope. Alrighty then. I think that we could end this episode, or this portion of the episode. Okay. Alright, thanks Barb. Thank you. And we'll talk to you next time, hopefully not a year from now. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. <laughs> yeah, this will be a yearly podcast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's scary. Actually, it's been, what, two years, so... <laughs> not even yearly. Yeah, I still want you to read that um, Lady Cop. I think you'll get oh, okay. a kick out of it. Yeah, you never gave it to me. So. It's such a timely piece. Yeah. Cool. And it's approved by the Comics Code, and it's... Oh, well, that's very important to me. Well, that means <laughs> that it's that you could get it at, like, the grocery store, and any kid can get it. Uh-huh. And it really has a lot of violence. It's got a serial killer. It's got VD. It's mm-hmm. got everything in it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Rape. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty crazy for its okay. time, I thought so. Yeah. Crazy. Alrighty then. We gotta go feed Scooter. Poor guy. I already did. Wow. I'm impressed. <laughs> oh, were you, were you actually feeding him when he was barking, or did he bark and... That's... When he barked the second time, I was getting his food. Oh, so he kind of was telling you, get off your ass and feed me? Yeah, with the first high-pitched bark. He was telling me it was 8 o'clock. So, yep. Cool beans. So another thing is I, I started knitting again. That's something else. Yes, and you did. I don't know if Carlos listens to this, but um, his wife, Michelle, she was mentioning that, she, that there are how-to-knit videos on YouTube, and so I was thinking about that and went on there, and sure enough, there's videos on there of how to knit, so thank you to Michelle. 
<laughs> if Carlos, if you listen to this, pass that along for me. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it. All righty then. I'll see you in a bit. Okay. Bye. Bye. Well, I hope you enjoyed that uh, conversation that we had uh, about uh, comics and uh, movies and TV. Uh, Barb's been really reading a lot more Vertigo than I have, so she's more knowledgeable on the subject. Um, and that's just because of the quantity of books that I read, but I will catch up to her someday. Uh, I, I just wanted to talk about a couple topics left. One thing I wanted to do was uh, give kudos to Marvel. I, I think... They get slammed a lot, but one of the things that they're doing right is they're actually producing these saga books. And these saga books are available free at your LCS. They're about 22 pages plus uh, of content. And what they do is they give you a history of an event or something that's going on. I mean, we've seen a, a saga for the Secret Invasion saga. We've seen one for War of Kings. Uh, we've seen a couple of other ones, and it's there, there was one in Punisher number one, but we had to pay for that. But it still was awesome. Even had all the the really crappy team ups that you never thought you'd see again in the '90s for Punisher. But I, I love that kind of stuff. And what this thing does is, uh, War of Kings. It it gives you the background of everything you need to really enjoy and grasp who these characters are, what their histories are, where they've been over the years and key moments throughout the years. This last War of Kings, it, it gives you everything you need to know about the Inhumans, where they've been, what they've done, key moments in their history. It gives you some Illuminati background because Black Bolt was the Illuminati. It gives you some of the Shire um history which i don't know anything about and that was fascinating it tells you about vulcan who's the one of the summer brothers and uh his relationship to the shire and what what went on in many of those x-men books it gives you a little bit of history of guardians of the galaxy and then in the back it gives you a recommended reading list i mean marvel's doing this for free out of their own pocket but i think if people really read this, they're going to want to buy some of these trades that they're advertising in the back. And it gives you like a, a reading chrono chronological order of what to read. You know, what essentials to pick up, what Marvel Masterworks, uh, how they all lead up to this particular event in War of Kings. And that's just fascinating. I love this. I mean, it was so well put together. It gives you everything you need. It even it talked about the House of M relationship with Quicksilver and how that broke up the marriage of Quicksilver and Crystal. And I, this is just really good stuff. And uh, gave you some of the... I can't remember what the... It was like a secret war or something like that that happened with the Inhumans that I haven't read yet. It gave you some of that that happened. Um... So I, I've been really impressed with these. Uh, we have a few coming up. I believe you're going to get a, a Wolverine Saga uh, right before the movie's released. And uh, there's another one coming out in this latest previews. It's New Mutants uh, Saga, which I highly recommend picking up. It, it's to get you excited and, and get all the backstory before they start their new story. And I think it's really well done, and I wish DC would do something similar. But... Um, the other books I want to plug um, today are uh, X-Men Kingbreaker, which is also part of the War of Kings. I, I knew nothing about this uh, particular uh, 
brother, summer brother, because I didn't read like Gen- Deadly Genesis or any of those X-Men books. And I was able to come into this series and figure out everything that was going on because I read Saga and because the writer, Christopher Yost, gave you enough background of the Star Jammers and everything else you needed to know to follow this storyline. And it's so well done. I am so far... I'm really enjoying this epic. And I highly recommend it if you're if you're into this War of Kings, not just to pick the uh, Abbott and Lanning books, but this one as well, because it's just top quality. The story of Kingbreaker is by uh, Christopher Yost, uh, Dustin Weaver, who does some damn good pencils, uh, Jamie Mendoza is the inker, and uh, this is a four-issue miniseries. The only drawback is it's three ninety nine, but it's worth the three ninety nine, so I'd highly recommend it. Uh, I've read the first two, and I'm really enjoying it, and I'm getting into the world of the Starbreakers, and Havoc, and Polaris, and uh, Vulcan, and Death Deathbird, and I, I'm learning about these characters, and I really think that the saga gave me enough information so I wasn't lost, and also the writer gives me a lot of good background information when he's doing his storytelling, and I can follow the story. And uh, I'm really enjoying it, and I'm seeing where it's going to lead up to uh, maybe a, a conflict with the Inhumans and the uh, Kree. I'm looking forward to it and highly recommend it. Now I just have to uh, get caught up in the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, which I have to read 7, 8, 9, I think, or 10. I, I think it's 7, 8, and 9, and then I'll be caught up with that, and I'll probably get that done today. But I highly recommend um, the uh, War of Kings books, and I really applaud Marvel for, for doing this with the uh, sagas because these sagas are really good. I, I love them. And I'd rather, I'd rather have these free issue books that, than uh, a lot of other promotional items because it gives you a lot of reference material and it's really interesting. And uh, just one other little small rant I want to say. I just finished uh, listening to some of the podcasts at, like from uh, with, uh, New York Comic Con. And one of the things Barb and I really like to do is go to the DC Nation panels and all the different DC Comics panels because we love Dan DiDio, we love DC. And uh, even Barb, even though she's not into DC, she's pretty much into Vertigo, which kind of is the same company, but um, she loves hearing Dan DiDio because of his enthusiasm. But what, what drives me crazy is that some of these people's questions... They're they're trying instead of asking a question about something that's that's uh, happened, or or something that they would like to see, they ask questions like, well, "What's going to happen in Blackest Night? Who's going to be the? Why why the fuck would you want to be spoiled? It the story hasn't happened yet. I, I just don't get those questions. It drives me crazy. Um, that's just one of my small rants. And one other comic that I want to talk about today is, well, two two comics I want to talk about today is uh, Bomb Queen which is an image comic and this is Bomb Queen 3 the good, the bad, the lovely this is, the, I don't know if anybody knows about Bomb Queen but it's a pretty nasty book it, <laughs> it's very nasty humor she's like this slut that that's taken over an entire city and it's an entire city where rape can occur uh, sex crimes and there's segments of the uh, of the city where people can do these things, and she kind of like controls everything, including the media, and she has a computer that controls everything. 
Well, this third series wasn't as raunchy as the first two, but I, I think it's it's very funny. It's very well done. It is for mature readers, and I highly recommend it. This one was about by Valentino and uh, Jimmy Robinson, and I think he's got two more series out that I'll be checking out really soon. So uh, give that book, give those books a try. And last but not least, I, I just want to say that Savage Dragon is really kicking all kinds of ass right now. I'm all caught up on Savage Dragon, and he had like a a world tour event where he was actually going through different parts of the Image universe including Bomb Queen's universe. <laughs> and uh, he was searching for his uh, wife and finding, trying to find out what happened to her. And uh, in that journey, he's teamed up with Witchblade and Spawn and all these uh, Invincible, um, some of the other minor characters he's teamed up with that have Image Comics. Um, I, I thoroughly enjoy it. His artwork is fantastic. He does everything in the book. He doesn't letter it anymore, but he used to letter it, color it, do everything. Now he's got, like, another colorist and another letter, but he does all the artwork and story. And you really get your money's worth for three fifty. I highly recommend it. And a matter of fact, I was listening to uh, Just Bill's podcast, and uh, he was saying that on the Image website, which I haven't visited ever, um, they have a lot of try-number-one-issues-before-you-buy kind of thing. So I went and checked it out, and it's pretty impressive. Uh, I, I just reread Savage Dragon number one, and what a great story that was. I mean, he opens up in a burning field. It pro- his uh, book starting off like you had Spawn and Wildcats and um, Young Blood and a few of uh, Shadowhawk. You know, those are some of the the books that started out of Image, and his by far was I thought was the most entertaining. <laughs> But uh, you got a lot of story in issue number one. I mean, he woke up in a burning field. A police guy finds him. He tries to, uh, you know, they, they kind of nurse him back to health. He tries to recruit him into the police force. He doesn't want to be. But he takes him to his cousin's house and says, why don't you live here and help him out at doing odd jobs and and uh, he can give you uh, room and board. So he ends up staying there and... Uh, the vicious circle are pretty much taking over Chicago at this time, and the police, they're all human. They don't have any super-powered cops, so they're they are doing whatever the hell they want. It's like uh, they have no control of, over what they do, nor can they protect anybody, so the police are just there, it seems like. And uh, this guy, Frank, wants to recruit Savage Dragon to help them out. and And it's just neat to see how it all started again because I've read that book when it first came out and it's been a long time and just to see those characters that were introduced and where they are today in the Savage Dragon universe and it's been all over he has a a big appreciation for Kirby so you get story arcs where it's like Commandy and then some that are like new gods and, and his art style even kind of mimics Kirby um, I just love it fun book um, very very good and the way he transitions panels is amazing like he had in in some of the books that I was just describing he had like uh, four different story plots going on and then you know he'd always like leave you on a cliffhanger at the end of the four pages and you'd want to know and then he switches topics and then he he comes back to that topic towards the end I I just love those Savage Dragon comics and give give them a try
Last but not least, I'm going to be talking about Superman 206, which was a book from 1968. I think part of the book is a reprint, and it might be the second story, which I enjoyed much more than the first story. Um, and what we'll go into that, I believe the writers are. Sometimes with the books, it's hard to uh, find out who wrote them in this time period because they weren't credited. You can't open up to the book and see who wrote it. But uh, my database shows that I, I'm guessing that the first story is written by Jim Shooter, and the second story is written by Jerry Coleman. And the artist on this story, I believe the first story is Al Prestino. I don't know who it is for the backup story, but it looks very Golden Age-ish, Silver Age-ish style. Um, this, uh, this story, I don't know if it's the first appearance of Dino Man or what, but um, the way they told a lot of these Superman stories um, in this time period in the 60s and late or late 60s and early 70s, which I've been reading, is they'll show you what's happened and then they'll go back and they'll tell you how they got there but uh this one opens up as he's superman's heading back towards earth and he I, at this time he just travels through space whenever he has to go save another world he goes and does it and uh, he gets a message from him it's an emergency summons it says superman come to our planet at once and it's they're actually on this planet they're celebrating dino dino man day um, Dino Man has teamed up with Superman in the past, and he wants him to come celebrate. And he says, oh, I'm delighted to celebrate with you, old chum. And he's there in, like, the press booth watching Dino Man as he's going in a car, you know, as they're driving by. And then an assassination attempt on Dino Man kills him. And there is this this evil guy that that's kind of with Superman, and I can't remember what his name is. It briefly mentions him, but he's like one of the security dudes that was responsible for. Um, oh, it's Sorta's security police. His name is Sorta. So he was supposed to protect him, but he doesn't, and he's assassinated. And what they do is they blame Superman that he killed him. In other words, they they mock up video. They put this belt on him, which gives him red solar rays, which pretty much enables him uh, powerless. And then they inject him with this hyperdermic needle that's... And when he takes it, he's like, yeah, I killed Dino Man, I killed him. So it, like, made him switch his viewpoint, whatever they injected him with, and they locked him up. And people on this planet love Dino Man, so they're looking to assassinate him or, or kill him, like, vigilante style. Or before he's tried, and he's assigned a lawyer, a lawyer, Rolora Dork. <laughs> it's kind of a funny name, but uh, she's trying to protect his innocence. And through that, you you actually learn that he is innocent. And she she gets caught, and that chief of police dude tries to hang her as well as an accomplice, that sort of guy. But uh, Superman breaks free, and then in the end, the way he breaks free, because he's powerless, you learn that Dino Man really helped him out to, to get free. And the day is saved, and they're both back in a parade with Superman and Dino Man and the lawyer. <laughs> I, I, the story was okay. It was very dense for the time period, but 
Um, it could have been better, but it was interesting anyway. I wonder if this Dino Man ever, ever showed up again. I'll probably go Google and find out. The second story I thought was really fun, uh, it was a Mixoplex story. I don't know who drew the art in this, but it's really, really makes Superman look like a box. His chest looks like total square, and uh, he looks really weird. And Mixelplick looks really weird in this one. He's re- he's hairless. He doesn't have those like white white hair hanging out the sides. He's like almost totally bald. He's got little pieces of hair on the sides over his ears, but they're just looks like just stubble. And his hat is like incredibly, incredibly small. But uh, what what a fun story that was. Uh, Mixelplick learns that Superman can't trick him anymore into spelling his name backwards. You know he tries with the soup. To make him spill his name back, or that's how he he got him back last time. He had like some alphabet soup, and he like used his vision to arrange the variables so it spelled his name backwards and sent him back to the fifth dimension. But uh, he comes back and he puts monies on trees. He's causing chaos, and uh, Superman can't get him to to spell his name backwards. Um, one of the things he tries is Superman disguises himself as a is like a an eye doctor, and he puts up an eye chart, and he says, can you tell me the, the bottom letters of the eye chart? And he's supposed to spell his name backwards and say it, but he's smart enough not to know, and there's something in his hat that's helping him, and you learn that. And then he, he sets up Mixoplick with, like, uh, I guess he's always been in love with Lois, and he sets up a meeting maybe with, with Lois, and that's how he ends up tricking him. Because when he goes to meet Lois, he has to take his hat off. And then that thing's not protecting him. So it was kind of a funny story. And then he ends up back going to the fifth dimension. But I, I enjoyed that story a lot more than the first story. And I think that was a reprint from uh, issue number 131. Which I think was close to the Golden Age. And then it's got a cool uh, ad for Superman's girlfriend, Lois Lane. And it says, featuring Lois Lane is the witch on wheels. And she's on a motorbike. And Superman's thought bubbles say, what have I done? I forced forced Lois to ride with a cycle gang. And I've made Clark Kent quit. His chicken... I can't even read that word. It's too small. (laughs) But um, there's another one for Teen Titans, number 15. And it says, Captain Rumble blasts the scene. And I've never heard of Captain Rumble. But he's interesting. And one thing I, I didn't realize that back in the 60s, they had uh, direct currents already. And for a while there, you'd see direct currents in every 70s comic, but you wouldn't see them at this time. And then this, this direct currents, they have an 80-page giant of Superboy. And... He is saying, starring the Legion of Superheroes, and it's an 80-page giant. And then one says, how Supergirl joined the Legion. And then there's another story, the initiation of Ultra Boy. And there's an extra, the adult Legion versus the Legion of Supervillains. And there's another story, is the origin of the Legion of Super Pets. So that looks like it's a really good 80-page giant. It's 25 cents, and it's issue 147 of Superboy. And then you got ads for Plastic Man at this time. 
and Doom Patrol, and then they're talking about Anthro and Creeper and Angel and Ape and Hawk and Dove and uh, Bomba. So the Spectre, you you have a lot of uh, cool references. But that's my last book I'll be reviewing. That's Superman 206. This one I bought for fairly cheap, but it looks like it's like in fine condition, which is a great find for what I got this book for. It's just a beautifully uh, uh, colorful cover, and I'll probably post it with this episode at some point. Uh, but that's it. I hope you enjoyed um, Rocky Mountain Comic Book Noise episode 11 and I hope to do more of them and let me know what you think you can send feedback to mike at comicbooknoise.com you can go to thecomicforums.com scroll down to Geek Brunch underneath Geek Brunch there's a RMCBN uh, which stands for Rocky Mountain Comic Book Noise sub uh, folder you can go there and post your comments and you can get us on the Comic Book Noise feeds. You can go to www.comicbooknoise.com and get it off of there. Or you can get it off of iTunes, both off the Geek Brunch feed and the Comic Book Noise family feed. So I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you come back. Let me know what you liked, what you didn't like. The first hour I kind of, kind of just rambled on about some things I was real passionate about. The second hour, we talked. I talked with my wife about uh, t- TV movies and some comics and books and that kind of stuff. And then the third part of the hour, I just wrapped up with some uh, general discussion and some more reviews. So I hope you enjoyed it and come back next time. And I'm going to close out this episode with another song from The Cranks, and this one's called The Last Man on Earth. I hope you enjoy. Bye. Yeah.